0: That's exciting. You wipe your hands on your pants after you pick up an earthworm, Seventh Generation is like, don't worry, hug a dirty tree, huff some bark, it's good for you. That is the power of Seventh Generation. Find laundry detergent and other laundry products at seventhgeneration.com. I love worms. This episode is brought to you by Merrick Pet Care. And if you've heard me talk about Grammy, you know that she means the world to me. I wanted a dog for probably 10 years and I was living in an apartment, couldn't have dogs. When I finally moved somewhere else, I adopted her within weeks and it was love at first scratch. She's about two feet away from me as I record this. She hangs out in the studio and all I want to do is smooch her and look at her and stare at her. I also like feeding her because I see how happy it makes her. And there's nothing like watching her lick her chops after having yummy stuff like Grammy's paw pie or real Texas beef and sweet potato, which are two recipes she's been enjoying for America. As her parent, I like that they use deboned meat and fish or poultry as the number one ingredient. I also like that they have these real ingredients and you can see them on the bag so you know what's in each one. And watching her do a little dance, especially with a Grammy's Pop pie recipe, brings too much joy to my heart. Is there such a thing as too much joy? I'm not sure. But check out Merrick online or in your local pet store and look for their new packaging with real ingredients shown on the bag and inside it. Hey, ologates. Uh It's your old Dad over here, Allie Ward. Um, I'm not recording in my closet today. Can you believe it? I'm 16 floors up in a hotel in New York and it's midnight on a Friday night and I'm out here for work shooting this new show. Um, if you listen to the very end of each episode, I usually tell a secret to the people who stick it out past the credits. So you may have heard it last week. And if not, more on that when they let me tell you, like legally or whatever. But I'm excited about this episode wiggling its way into your consciousness is a good one. This ologist is, uh, like, imagine when an Italian chef kisses his fingertips. She's so good. Also, if you hear any weird sirens or the people in the hotel room next to me coughing or doing other things, sorry. Okay, so fish. They're out there. They're underwater. They're deep in the sea or skimming the surface of lakes with fins, and they got fleshy lobe fins and sharp noses and sometimes blobby faces and big teeth and sucker mouths. And we really like them. Some people love them. And I like fish, but I love the people who love fish. I love them. I'm a creep for fish people. The way that their eyes light up when you talk about swim bladders and larval stages and biodiversity. So I was giddy as hell to talk Face to face about fish. Uh, but while we're talking creeps, let's get to our intro segment, Creeping Your Reviews, in which I thank you all for leaving reviews on iTunes. It really helps get ologies up in the charts. Um, since launching this kind of dream project in September, this podcast is pretty much hovered in the top 30 or 20 science podcasts on iTunes, which is a very big deal for me and my heart. Thank you for putting it there with your ratings and reviews and by subscribing and telling a friend. It really matters. So I'm going to read the reviews that really tickled me. Um, I am going to say Rare Cactus said infotainment, entercation, whatever your favorite portmanteau is for the intersection of learning and laughing, Allie Ward lives in that space. And I thought her use of portmanteaus really moved me. Also portmanteau is a portmanteau. Whatever. We'll talk about it sometime. I also want to thank Shen Yun who said, this is the holy grail of podcasts. Like no pressure. So much wisdom and knowledge to be gained with every episode. I've listened to over 400 different podcasts in a frantic, desperate search to find meaning and clarity in my daily life. This podcast delivered those goods in spades and now I finally feel better about my nightmarish existence and have the inner fortitude to do normal things like take out the trash. Thanks, Allie. Thank you for that review because it's relatable. Sometimes you're like, oh, I have to take out the trash during this nightmarish existence of life on planet Earth right now. And you did it. And I relate. And high fives. Okay. And thank you real quick to all the patrons who support via Patreon. You can kick in and keep the podcast going as a thank you. Your questions get asked to the ologists, just you guys. Thank you for that. You can support for as little as 25 cents an episode, which is crazy cheap. But I like to be inclusive. And if every listener actually pitched in that much or a little more, man, whew, I would spend all the extra money probably on hot dogs and gold teeth. But as it is, I appreciate all of the support so much. You guys are funding the podcast. Also, ologiesmerch.com has incredible t-shirts with pithy sayings from the show. There are hats, pins, totes, mugs, all kinds of stuff, and proceeds go to keep the show up and running. So get yourself something and feel like a good person because you are one. So says old Ward. Okay, on to the episode. First, the etymology of ichthyology. Pretty straightforward. Ichthys means fish in Greek. It also sounds like a cat sneezing. Like, Ixies. do it. Do it right now. Ixies. Right? Whatever. Okay. So this all just let me into the bowels of a natural history museum. To the very basement where she walked me through floor to ceiling gray metal shelves filled with jars of fish suspended in these amber chunky liquids past these articulated fish skeletons. Apparently, the collection, the museum is over 5 million specimens of just fish, which weigh a lot of pounds. So they got to put them on the bottom floor because they're so heavy. That's the thing with museums. What you see on display is the tiniest fraction of what they really have. So much is kept in the back in libraries and warehouses is like a catalog for research. So we pulled up some chairs in this little library. And this ologist, honestly, she has the regal presence of Robin Wright, but she has the timing of a comedian and she has the obsessive fish knowledge of a savant. And I just could not get over her. I couldn't get over her. I was like, you're amazing. So you'll learn about the touching relationship between a fish and a shrimp that I want to write a quiet indie movie about, why you should never name a species after yourself, what seafood you should not eat, the worst fish husbands, peeing in the ocean, embarrassing mating strategies, a fish, where they got 5 million goddamn jars, and how you can save the planet. You and me. So we cover a lot of ground, and by ground, I mean ocean. So let's dive in with ichthyologist Dr. Chris Thacker. So you are an ichthyologist. That's right. I study fish. Um, how often do people spell that wrong? Every, pretty much every time.
1: <laughs> and it's very awkward to say, oh, there's two H's in that because that kind of doesn't make sense of people. Two H's, what? It's ichthy, what, what? But yeah, it's constantly misspelled. It's misspelled on my badge. Is it really? Yeah, it oh. was on my, on my old badge. The one I have now is fixed, but. <laughs>
0: <sighs> Man, how long did it take you to notice? I
1: know. Oh, I always know. I noticed it right away. (laughs) I noticed it right away, but it didn't bother me. It's so common.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, How long have you been an ichthyologist? Since birth. Since, yeah, since ever. Chris has worked at the Natural History Museum of LA County for almost 20 years, and she's been studying a specific group of little fishies for almost 25 years. That is a long-term relationship with fish. How did you fall in with this gang of fish?
1: The fish that I work on are called gobies, and they are a group of reef fishes and stream fishes. They're found all around the world. I fell into them completely by accident. Uh, I was fascinated with larval fish. I was fascinated with the tiny little larvae that you know are so complicated and yet, and yet tiny. Mm-hmm. I was living in Hawaii. I was working on a master's degree. I was studying a larval fish called Shinlaria?
0: Shinlaria? Definitely sounds like a disease you'd pick up at a college party, but it's actually one of the smallest vertebrates in the world. So how itty bitty is this fish? Well, it only weighs about a tenth of a gram when it's fully grown. So it's everywhere in the Pacific and in the Indian Oceans. And the common name for it is stout infant fish, which I feel like is a really good insult if you're feeling fancy. So, okay, if they're so tiny, how do you even see them? And it's just like a clear little
1: shimmer in the water. When I went out to catch them, I asked a guy who knew about these fish, what they looked like. And he said, go down in the water and look for the shimmer, like steam rising off a
0: boiling pan. That's how you find these things. Yep. You go
1: out there, you pull in a net through that shimmer and you come up with shinlaria. Or you can go out at night and just pull a plankton net. So I did a lot of night plankton work.
0: In Hawaii? In Hawaii. Did that not suck? It
1: was the best, except for the time that I almost hit a whale. What happened? <laughs> it, was, it was nighttime, but there was just like a whale and her calf kind of parked in this channel, and I was trying to go out. And, I, and you know, when it's dark, you don't really see the black shape of a whale in the water. It's difficult.
0: I did not hit the whale.
1: Let me oh. be clear. I did not hit the whale or the whale calf. But, you know, it's a federal crime to touch a whale. So,
0: Is it illegal to touch a whale? It appears to be an affirmative. So it's illegal to feed or attempt to feed any species of marine mammal. Now, in some states, it's illegal to even approach whales within a few hundred meters. So essentially, operate as though all whales have restraining orders against you. So it's not illegal, however, to look at pictures of them and dream about them and wonder if they're thinking of you too. Um, but whales aren't fish. So back to fish. Were you always into fish? Well, I was.
1: And, and as I said, I was working on this fish called Shinlaria and it turned out, at the time, it was not known. It was so weird that it wasn't known what kind of fish it was. And, really? Yeah, no one knew. They, there were some theories, but it was like, what is this weird thing? And I thought, oh, well, you know, everything's fine as long as it's not a goby. Because gobies were so complicated. There's so many. There's thousands of species. It's a huge group. They're all tiny. Mm-hmm. And when I finished my master's degree... That same year, some it was determined that it was a goby. I went away to grad school for a PhD. I ended up working on gobies the whole time, and I'm still doing it.
0: So you were like, "Please don't be
1: a goby," and then it was a goby. And then it was like, sci- the universe was like, "Psych, you're going to work on the hardest group of fishes there is. Suck it up." <laughs> Maybe the world needed you. Fish needed you. It's one of those things that turned that was absolutely terrifying and turned out to be the best possible answer because gobies are so. Fascinating and variable. They do anything, like any evolutionary thing you want to study. a Gobi is doing it pretty much. Did you have fish growing up as pets? I did. That's how I. That's how I got into. I think that's what started this madness. Because <laughs> um, I remember when I was just a little kid, maybe five years old, like staring into a fish tank. We had some little, little, uh, you know, rasboras or sort of little um, darter fish in the tank, and just staring at it and like being sort of frightened. Because I couldn't understand how this little tiny thing could be alive and like breathing water. I remember just just tripping balls on the <laughs> idea that there were animals that were breathing water. Um, and from that sort of fear came came it was the fear that turned into a fascination. And so that's that's how it happened.
0: Did you study biology and stuff in high school as well? I studied biology in high school, yes.
1: And I went away to college, and I thought I, I I'm I've always been very analytical. I love math. I love physics, chemistry. I was going to study chemistry, and I remember sort of that I had taken a, you know natural history classes in college and taken ichthyology. I was into it, and I started learning about fish. And then when I decided to go to get a master's in Hawaii, the, the deal was pretty sealed. But I sort of remember this as a college time conversion. But I was recently, I recently had found my high school yearbook and there were people who had signed my yearbook. Good luck with the fish. What? Yes. There was a signature. <laughs> in my There were like three different people who said, I hope you have a good time learning about fish. One said, oh, you know, enjoy it. I'm sure someday you'll be ichthyologist
0: to the stars. And, and here I, you are in Los Angeles. I know, an right an right I, was like, <gasps> <laughs> I was like, goal achieved. <laughs> I wanted to fact check and see if there were any celebrity ichthyologist are like fish people to the stars. And the closest competition I found was these two guys who run an aquarium business in Las Vegas and have a reality show, which took me to a surreal clip of Tracy Morgan appreciating biodiversity. I love exotic animals. And there's, there's some people that don't even know that these animals live with us here on a planet. It keeps me from watching TV. I like to watch the animals sometimes. Let's back up, and can you tell me what a fish is? Okay, a fish is a vertebrate, which means it has
1: a bony skeleton with a backbone. Mm -hmm. It's a vertebrate that lives in the water. Um, That's about, well, that's about it, although it obviously doesn't include uh, some water-living vertebrates like whales. Fishes breathe water. They don't have lungs. Um, They're part of a clade called uh, the bony fishes are part of a clade called Actinopterygii.
0: Okay, what was that word? Actinopterygii, which means ray finned fishes. It kind of sounds like the first line of a camp song. Like the sequel to John Jangle Jimberheimer Schmidt, right? Okay, back to it. Which
1: describes some characters of like the way the fins are arranged, some kind of details of the bones, but basically they're a vertebrate animal in the water. That's not a whale. That's not a whale or a dolphin, right? Or a seal. Okay. Or a snake.
0: Right, I'm or a human being, or with human a scuba. being, exactly. you
1: know what I mean, <laughs> or your dog at the beach, your dog at the beach, exactly. As soon as
0: you have a backbone and are in the water, you become a fish. Well, no, I'm I kidding. would like to think so. Um, so this is a very—I mean, going back to like when you were a kid and you were marveling at the tank. This is such a basic question, but how do fish breathe? It is the. It is. Uh, that's not a basic question. That's complicated.
1: Okay, gases. So they need oxygen. They're like us. They need oxygen mm-hmm. to run their cells. They absorb oxygen from the water, but that's more difficult than absorbing oxygen from the air. Although, remember, our lungs are wet. Like air, we also absorb oxygen from water. It's just a thin scrim of water inside a lung. Oh,
0: hey, heads up! You got moist as hell lungs. Now you know.
1: But fishes have a very frilly, complicated. body blood-enriched gill, sort of filament, looks like feathers, like a filament. Well, you've seen them on an axolotl, Mm -hmm. right? Just inside the head. Um, And the purpose of that is to exchange, have a lot of surface area exchange with water, and oxygen diffuses from the water into the blood.
0: Okay, so then what is the deal with a fish bladder?
1: Okay, so f- a, you mean a swim, swim bladder? Swim bladder. Yeah. Fishes have swim bladders. Well, not all, but most of them. And those are for regulating buoyancy. Because remember, fishes live in sort of 3D. They move side to side. They move forward and back. But they also move up and down. Oh, yeah. You know, compared to the fishes, we're sort of just like in flatland. Like yeah. we, we move like just in a few directions. But fish are actually basically always flying.
0: Underwater. Never wearing pants. Flying without ever falling. I'm like, oh. Okay. I get it. Like fish have the best lives. They have the best lives. They also have swim bladders, which fill with gas and floats them up and down. Kind of like a functional whoopee cushion.
1: Most of the time. And it's mm-hmm. there are also um, some types of fishes that can actually gulp air oh. and put it into their swim bladders. But obviously that's not going to work for a fish that lives, you know, a hundred feet below the surface. So there's different, two different kinds.
0: Do you have a favorite strata of fish? Like in terms of pelagic or, and I will I will have to remember and look up again, like what the zones are, but like in terms of ocean zones. Yeah. Okay, quick, quick rundown of ocean zones, just in case you're ever at a bar trivia night and you need to impress your coworkers or your new significant other siblings. Okay, the ocean zones are roughly epipelagic at the top. These parts get sunlight, so plants grow there. The majority of ocean life lives in this zone. Goes down about 200 meters or around 600 feet for us non metric Americans. Okay. Below that are the mesopelagic, bath pelagic, abyssal pelagic, and finally the very, very bottom, which are the hadal zones. That's like the deep dark. So there you go. If anyone ever wins Jeopardy or a bet, you owe me exactly one American dollar, payable in coins if need be for this information. You are welcome. Okay. So what is her favorite?
1: i i am it's I'm super basic I like the near shore stuff I like the shallow water stuff I like the coral reef stuff I like the inshore up into the streams I'm getting into river fishes more um and it's interesting because most of life on the planet is right around the earth this the, the air water interface right mm. like near coast close to the ocean and then you know right right around there is most of the air, terrestrial life and, and bird life. I mean, you start to get too high and yeah. there's nothing. Same thing when you start to get too deep, there's not as much. It's all kind of right around that that band is where oh, most I, things are.
0: I never really thought about that. I just thought of that
1: yesterday. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's crazy. You know why I was thinking that? Because I was I was driving down PCH and I was looking at the, one thing I never tire of is the, this, the glint of the sunlight off the water. And mm-hmm. it looks like a skin. And I was thinking about the skin of the water and how it looks like a solid thing and how everything lives, you know, the closer to that, the better.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you go to the ocean a lot living in LA? Because I know we're near downtown, and I get to the ocean like once a year. Yeah, like how are do you surf every morning? Are you no. always in there? No, no, no. I, I I
1: don't. Usually, if I'm going into the ocean, I'm working.
0: Okay. Do you? What kind of? What is a day like for you?
1: Well, uh, right now I'm just in the office. So it's a lot of like lab, some of it's lab work, some of it's spreadsheets, some of it's email. Sometimes I have to photograph things. I've been writing a lot lately, which is really nice. Um, I have, if I'm traveling, a lot of times I will travel to visit museum collections or visit colleagues. And in that case, I will go into someone else's collection and look at the jars of fish and take fish out and examine them and look at them in certain ways. And then if I'm in the field, it's work 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 it's like dive 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 fish fish fish
0: i've never been diving but what does it feel like down there does it feel like freedom does it feel like cozy
1: feels like you're flying yeah it's cold i'll say that it's cold and you have to you know wear a wetsuit wear a dry suit be careful but it is the thing that people often don't realize is that when you're in the water completely submerged for a long time the water really sucks the heat out of your body so you got to oh. you got to be thermally insulated that's why you often see divers wearing big suits
0: Is it true that divers and surfers do pee in them? I get asked this a lot. I'm sorry. And that's okay. This is what I would say. I say, this is like, it's like peeing in the shower.
1: (laughs) It's like, you can't honestly say that it never happens. I couldn't like, I couldn't like look you in the eye and swear to you that I've never done it but I try to keep it to a minimum.
0: I would do it. Well, I mean, the fish are
1: doing it. The fish are doing it. Yeah, but the fish it doesn't get trapped in the fish's body. And when you're going when you're in the field and you're like in you're in Helangon, New Guinea and you're going to be there for a month and you've got like one or two wetsuits and you're wearing them every day. Yeah. Yeah. Try not to. You try not to.
0: Okay. Good to know. I appreciate the candor. That isn't that is a question that would have plagued me. I would have been driving home being like, I wish I would have asked that. (laughs) Okay, good. That makes me feel better. Okay, saltwater fish, freshwater fish. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we don't think about it until it comes time to have Perhaps one is a pet, and you're like, "Oh, if you have a saltwater aqu- aquarium, you are a millionaire." If it's a whole have, different thing. Yeah, if you have a bowl with a fish in it that costs a dollar, like, what is the what is the difference in how they live and how they they breathe and exist?
1: The difference in how they... it has to do with osmo. It's called osmoregulation, which is the regulation of salt basically in your body and outside your body. So mm-hmm. the kidney, you know, pumps salt one way or the other. Freshwater fishes live in a situation where they've got too much salt relative to the fresh water around them. Saltwater fishes have less salt than the water around them, so they just have to be careful with their kidneys. Some of them go back and forth. What? Oh, yeah. Well, salmon, right? Salmon go down. They go up the river. They have their babies. They wash back down. They live some time in the ocean. They switch back. Lots of gobies do this, too. Really? Yes. How
0: do they do that?
1: Ki- they have badass kidneys. That's how. <laughs>
0: Wow. You know, I never knew. I always thought like once they got to a brackish zone, they'd be like, I'm out of here. This some sucks. some do. OK. Yeah. Um, I've seen salmon spawning in a stream mm-hmm. and I've always wondered, like, clearly that makes them so vulnerable to predation. If you wanted sashimi, it was just like any of them. Um, I mean, how screwed are they when they do that? Well, I mean, you've seen the bears. Yeah. Just scooping them,
1: just scooping them up, just watching, just watching them go by, grabbing them one by one. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of them make it and some of them don't, but a lot of them make it. And also, you know, a lot, the, the ones that do make it, they'll have hundreds and thousands of eggs. And so that's, that's kind of how fishes deal most of the time with, uh, the lottery of, of having children mm-hmm. is that they, have a whole bunch and just hope that some survive.
0: Right, they're like, bye, mm. good luck, see ya. Yeah, have You're fun. Own. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> see also the enormous Catholic broods on either side of my family lineage. So many. It's like, eh, some of them will probably be fine. When it comes to the little guys, you yeah. study a lot of little guys, you showed me some cool specimens. Um, is that also a numbers game? I mean, they're kind of, are they kind of lower on the food chain, right? It's
1: kind of a, a value laden term. It's a value laden term. Sorry, sorry. Yes, yes. <laughs> they are. They are. It's, they're food for a lot of other things. It's true. Yeah. And there's a lot of them. There's mm-hmm. a lot of them. There's a, the, so the larger group that they're a part of is maybe 20, say, 2,500 species. And the total number of bony fishes is like 25,000. So that little more. So that's 10% of fishes right there.
0: How many fish species have been identified? So, like I said, twenty five thousand, twenty six thousand okay. in that ballpark. Yeah, Oof. there's more
1: all the time. People are finding more all the time, and there's more out there we don't know about. I mean, there might be fifty thousand out there that we just haven't, uh. we haven't gotten them yet.
0: And you just walked me through the collections. You have five million specimens here, mm-hmm. in jars. Yep. Where do you get the jars?
1: Well, you know, that's a good, that's a very good question. You know, if you're talking about like a straight eight, a squat eight, you want a gallon, you want a big hinge one with a lid, that's different, different mm-hmm. places, but a general bottle in here in Los Angeles sells,
0: sells jars. Okay. Curiosity and procrastination got the better of me and I Googled general bottle supply. Why not? It's legit. Now, if you ever get lost in a catalog of jars, whew, short, tall, amber, cobalt blue, lidded, narrow, Boy howdy woo jar heaven this will change at least one of your lives out there. I'm convinced do you ever have to take like uh donations like hey, if anyone's got any big pickle jugs like drop them off
1: <laughs> that's exactly what we don't like to do only because the you know let me tell you the problem's not the jar, it's the lid. oh, glass jars a glass jar you gotta you gotta think about your closures to some serious collection management. Got to get that lid nice and tight. You want it to have a nice liner.
0: It's important. Oh, or else you've got all kinds of uh, evaporation happening. Exactly. Okay. Now, what happens when, say, an fish washes up? Side note, an fish is this long, 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 like sometimes up to 11 meters or over 30 feet. That's like a three-story building long, bony, snaky-looking fish that lives in temperate or tropical Waters. Now, when they're sick or dying, they tend to come up to the surface just to be like, eh, 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 it's the end. So they're at the surface and they fueled all these old piratey rumors of sea serpents. They also have these two long fins on their bellies, which look kind of like canoe oars. Google image search them and then tell me if you emitted a scream like Homer Simpson. Mm. And it's a specimen that everyone is just. Crazy for, like, what do you do? What happens is usually
1: we get a phone call and they'll say, "This is great fish. Do you want to come get it? Do you want it?" We've had stuff wash up, you know, or fish, sharks, various things. Sometimes fishermen will catch some weird thing and they'll call us, um, and we'll go get it. And then we'll like we have you. uh, There's some pictures on my. I have an Instagram account at Thackfish, Mm -hmm. T H A C K Fish. Uh Then I. That I post like behind the scenes fish's stuff, and one of the pictures on there is us prepping the the oarfish. So great big fish, we had to have a tank specially built, and we fixed it and we put it up on display upstairs.
0: I love that fish. It's a great fish. I mean, I used to be, as a volunteer, I would get stationed there a lot. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you
1: know that, you know, so you know how it has those long oars? Mm-hmm. Did you notice that the, one of them is broken and our collection manager had to like plastic surgery, fix it with a drinking straw, with like a piece of a drinking no. straw?
0: No, <laughs> I did not it was know
1: a, that. It was a little bit of like mortuary, you know, body.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> body preparation oh for display. God. I've heard that there's, I, I just heard that there's an ology for that of uh, the, co- it's like cosmetology and thanatology. Combined. Combine. There must yeah, be. There I forget what be. it's called, but I didn't know anyone did that for orfish. By the by, that ology is deserology. And I just want to give props to Megan Rosenbloom of Death Salon for the heads up on that. Also, I used to volunteer at the museum talking to kids about this orfish and I never, ever noticed the drinking straw. But after this interview at the museum, I went upstairs and I looked for it and I saw it and I loved it. So a photo will be up on the Ology's Instagram because you got to see this. You would never notice. Man, I love that dead fish. This one time, a little girl looked at it and then she looked at me and she asked, is it dead? And I told her, yes, and it died naturally. And then she asked me, is the fish in heaven with my grandpa? And I said, man, I hope so because that sounds like a real party, little dude. I love the idea of her grandpa like listening to disco Drink it as and Sevens just with a dead ass sea serpent. What's the craziest fish you've ever seen, in IRL? Something called a hula fish. What is it? Okay. A hula fish is a small reef fish that lives in Australia
1: and it is only found in Australia. And I'd never heard of it. I'd never seen it. And this is just like a couple of years ago. I'm sending fish all this time and I'm down in an aquarium in Sydney and I saw this fish in a tank and I had no idea what it was. Like no idea. <laughs> and that's a weird feeling, right? Given, you know, what I do. And I just stared and stared and stared. And it was like I was five again looking at this tank going, how is this possible? What is this alien thing? Yeah, hula fish. Freaky looking. It's, and it looks like nothing. It's a little got blue and white stripes, but it, it moves in a very
0: sinuous way like a hula dancer, hence the name. And that's where they got it. That, exactly. I saw a video and the hula fish does have moves. Have you ever gotten to name a fish? Oh yeah, I've named several fish. How do you do? Where do you come up with it?
1: Uh, let's see. One of them I named for the color. One of it I named for the locality. There's one that I'm naming right now that I just showed you that I'm naming for the guy who worked on it, Midgley. Do
0: you get to name anything after yourself?
1: That's considered poor form. Okay. Yeah, that's considered poor form. I have three species named after me by other people.
0: Oh, my God. So, if you have a fish named after you, it's because someone else is like, ding, you you deserve this. You deserve
1: this. But yeah. if
0: you do it yourself... oh, that, that, If you do it yourself, you're a douche. I never you know? knew that. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so great.
1: You got to... If you really can... I mean... And if you really care about such things, you just make a deal with your buddy, like you know I'll right. But people don't even really do that. I mean, you know, that's again, that's like that's pretty, that's tacky.
0: I had no idea. Are there <laughs> any that have been named recently where you know they'll name one after like David Bowie or the... I don't know. There's a genus of gobies called Zappa.
1: But oh, that was, really? That was, yeah, that's a while. That's from a while ago.
0: How? I wonder why did he get a? Because
1: the guy oh, who okay. studied him loved Frank Zappa. Boom. And and the awesome thing is it's a mudskipper. Do you know what that is? No. These crazy amphibious fish. They have they have these. Googly eyes on top of their head that they can like suck back down, and these little water cups in their faces. They come out of the water. They live in mu- they live in the mud. They live on land most oh. of the time, and they just kind of bloop 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 around. And they fight each other, and they have these crazy little fin displays. And they're like this big, yeah. just little guys, They're tiny.
0: Yeah, that's like half the size of a candy bar. They're fero They're they're itty bitty, and they're ferocious. Oh
1: fero- Ferocious. ferocious.
0: Uh, do you have a favorite fish?
1: I have several favorite fish. Have you ever seen a wahoo? Mm-mm. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. A wahoo is kind of like a tuna. It's a great big silvery pelagic fish, and it's just spectacular. It looks like a torpedo. It looks Ooh. like a silvery torpedo. Um, I really like mudskippers. I like shrimp gobies. Some of the shrimp gobies I work on are just beautiful. They're very delicate, you know, colorful fishes, and they do all kinds of weird things. So, yeah what's their What's their
0: relationship with shrimp?
1: Shrimp gobies live with shrimp in burrows. The shrimp builds the burrow, and the goby lives with the shrimp. So it's a symbiotic relationship, it's like a mutualistic relationship. They help each other. Oh my god, they're like Bert and nerdy. They are, and go- gobies actually do this a lot. There's gobies that live in sponges and sea urchins, and you know all kinds of different places. They they like they're friendly. They like to participate in mutualisms. <laughs> and a goby and a shrimp uh, will. The goby is actually the watchdog, so the shrimp is blind. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> this is is this a great story the shrimp is blind this is nature this is evolution this is just all this is our world we live this is a planet we live on that's crazy with these things which is kind of like just blows my mind this is fishes i think about fishes every day with, with that sort of tone like this is on our planet with us are these creatures so shrimps and gobies the shrimp is blind the goby watches sits on the bottom and watches mm-hmm. and is a guard dog the little shrimp Builds the burrow and takes care of the burrow. And they are in touch with each other. They communicate via a, a tactile communication system, a touch system. What? The antennae of the shrimp are very long. And the antennae of the shrimp, as the shrimp, you know, scrumples around and works, he, it keeps in contact with the goby's body. And the goby will flick its tail or move or st- dart back and forth to let the shrimp know <gasps> what's going on. If there's danger, if he can come out. No way. 100% true.
0: Have you guys been able to figure out what different flicks mean?
1: Um, well, not exactly, but you can see them if you watch them, which I have so many, many hours doing. You'll see the goby, like, one hard flick is basically there's danger. And oftentimes the goby and the shrimp, when they're sitting together, they just, the goby will move a little bit and the shrimp will, you know, keep in touch, but it's real gentle. Like, they'll almost kind of sing, yeah, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Like, little, little gentle movements.
0: I just got goosebumps like the full body goosebumps. That's crazy. (laughs) That's bananas. Now, is that language? Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's language. Oh, yeah. For sure it's language. Of course. They're communicating.
0: God, that's nuts. They're rare in collections because they're very, very difficult to catch. Are they just too quick? They're very quick. So then do you have to just have certain nets like you were saying? Plankton nets or set up traps? That doesn't work. Actually, you have to use a spear gun. A spear gun. You have to use a spear gun.
1: It's it's this crazy complicated way. You have to go down there with a spear gun. You fit the spear gun out with like a blade or a like a pentadent, like prongs, so it's like almost like a shovel. And the sand is very loose. And the goby is very fast and very good at its job. And you what you do is you wait. You have to wait, let them calm down until the shrimp and the goby are both out of the burrow. And then you shoot the burrow. You shoot the burrow, the fish and the shrimp run, and then you chase them and you catch them one by one.
0: Oh my god. So you might be doing that all day. Oh my gosh, yeah. It's very difficult. I have the dumbest question. Please. Um, dinosaurs, mm-hmm. right? We've got a meteor. Boom. Dinosaurs. Goodbye. Fish. Under water the whole time. So they were just and fine? There were losses.
1: Okay. There were losses. Okay. But not to the extent that the terrestrial animals animals suffered in the Cretaceous tertiary extinction. The meteor that killed the dinosaurs did affect uh, fishes. In fact, it killed a lot of the bigger predatory fishes, larger sort of top of the food chain fishes. Oh. there was an event a lot earlier, the End Permian Extinction, that um, that was much worse for oceans. It was just a different type of extinction, different different really? causes. So yeah, it was more like there were like volcanoes and sulfur and climate change, and the ocean got acidic, and it was very bad. And that's kind of what we're watching out for now because those things are very very bad, and that kills a lot of the ocean life.
0: Okay, so there was the N Permian, and then there was the K K T. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't know the difference between them. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure people ask you this day in and day out. Do you eat fish? Yes, I do eat fish. Okay. For fish, I always recommend.
1: And this is and it's serious. I mean, this is one again one of those things we got to watch out for with the ocean. Don't eat uh, most kinds of wild caught tuna. Do not eat orange roughy. Um, for your convenience, you can go to seafoodwatch.org. Okay. And the Monterey Bay Aquarium has a list, and it's always changing. They're always updating it. But a lot of farmed fish is fine to eat. You know, it's it's done uh, responsibly. You know, it, ecologically conscious. And you can also check and see if it's. If the seafood that you're buying is MSC certified, Ms. Marine Stewardship Council
0: certified, oh mm-hmm. okay, I didn't know about that. Yep. What about fish? Fish is getting it on. There's some weird, weird behavior. Mm. Any that you uh, tell people at cocktail parties? Well, a lot of the gobies that I study are sex changers. What?
1: Yes, they will start out. A lot of them, the ones, some of the ones that live right off our coast, are start their lives. They're all born as females, and then the biggest one turns into a male. <gasps> yeah. No way. And kind of runs the harem. And then if he dies, the next biggest female turns into a male. And there's ones that go the other way, too, that they're all male except for a big female. How do they do that? It's just it's just like, you know, the freshwater to saltwater, they have a really good kidney. You know, male to female, they have a really flexible gonad and it just changes. Does, there, does Do they have an
0: X and Y chromosome?
1: They do. Yeah, they have a system that's similar to ours. But the thing is, is that, I mean, remember, a female, female's the ground state. I mean, being male is kind of like a, like an extra little birth defect that gets like hammered on there at the end. <laughs> and so turning, um, turning so a female gonad turning to a male gonad is what happens to all human males.
0: Oh, hey, uh, misogynists. Booyah.
1: Right? Yeah. You can switch it. The gonads come from the same tissues. You can switch them back and forth.
0: That's true. I forget that. So the biggest one. I wonder if they do it by by will. Are they like, boop, okay, here I go. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs>
1: <laughs> they f- they start to feel
0: it. They start to mm-hmm. feel it. Boom. <laughs> Unbelievable. Everyone, and you know, everyone always talks about the anglerfish. Yeah. The male just kind of grows into the female. Yeah. Is that a good one for cocktail parties? Oh,
1: yeah. People people know, that. like, you know, the only problem is people know that one now. Like, yeah. That's kind
0: of old news. Okay, to sum up the lore of the anglerfish in a few seconds, here we go. A very unsightly but majestic deep sea lady anglerfish has this glowing dinkledangle on her head and a vicious underbite with these jagged-ass teeth. And the male is tiny and he can barely feed himself with his little baby mouth. So he finds a lady anglerfish and he gnaws into her side, thus dissolving his lips and her flesh and fuses them into one. And then he just kind of feeds off nutrients in her blood, gets absorbed into her body, and then supplies her with sperm when she needs it. He's kind of like that sad, sad guy at last call. But it's dark and you feel ugly. So you go with it. Forever.
1: I'm trying to think about what is a cool f- fish fact I'd say. I talk
0: about mudskippers, which are crazy that they're fish. Um, I read one story about how there's some, oh God, now I can't remember. There's Some fish who holds her eggs in her mouth. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes- cardinal
1: fish. Cardinal fish do it, jawfish do it. It's fantastic. They will, go cichlids, cichlid
0: fishes, which you might know from Aquaria, will sometimes do it. Um, it's just a way to keep the eggs safe. And then sometimes I've heard that a man will trick a man, a male fish will trick a female fish into thinking there's food. She opens her mouth and then he just is like, surprise, just surprise, I've fertilized your mouth. Does that happen? What usually happens is that the the eggs, yeah, it can, well,
1: usually what happens is the eggs get fertilized right away, either because she'll lay the eggs, he'll fertilize them and she'll scoop them up or she'll scoop them up. And then we'll fertilize them in her mouth. You can
0: picture that. Right. Yeah. Sure it's just, can. It is, it's biology. It's not bad. We don't judge. I mean, but the main thing with fish is you've got to make a lot of babies hope they survive. Exactly. That's the main thing. Exactly. And the idea is that the,
1: l- the lower the amount of care that you put into your babies, the more you've got to have. Right. So, like, if you're just going to blow them out to the wind, like a seed or a fish egg, you know, into the water, you've got to have a bunch of them. If you're going to take care of them, you might have fewer. And if a mouth brooder is just going to have a couple hundred, whereas a spawner, a broadcast spawner might have a couple thousand a
0: broadcast spawner broadcast spawner <laughs> what is that? broadcasting to you yes <laughs> is that just like holding eggs out of a moving car just and just psh-
1: you just you, you, you just see it's like you salt the
0: fields <laughs> just everywhere <laughs> although sharks have those cool sacks
1: yeah sharks sharks are have some lay eggs like that and some actually have live young and some fish have live young too they have a few live young mm-hmm. but it's rare
0: and sharks are fish.
1: Sharks are fish.
0: Um, does that ever tri- does that ever trip people up? I always feel like sharks are in their own category because people are, they're, they have such a different place in society than the rest of the fish, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, and they are different. I mean, they are a different evolutionary group than fishes. That's true. But they are, you know, and like I said, most people, the, the general term fish, they just think, oh, it's a vertebrate animal that lives in the water. And they're maybe not even thinking vertebrate, but like, you know, an animal like us with like yeah. heads and a back and limbs and eyes. Um... So, yeah, sharks fall into that category in that case.
0: I have so many questions from listeners. Oh, absolutely. Can I rapid fire? Please. Okay. But before we take questions from you, our beloved listeners, we're going to take a quick break for sponsors of the show. Sponsors? Why sponsors? You know what they do? They help us give money to different charities every week. So if you want to know where Ologies gives our money, you can go to alleyward.com and look for the tab Ologies Gives Back. There's like 150 different charities that we've given to already with more every single week. So if you need a place to go donate a little bit of money, but you're not sure where to go, those are all picked by Ologists who work in those fields. And this ad break allows us to give a ton of money to them. So thanks for listening and thanks sponsors. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we're all carrying around just a backpack of stressors and sadnesses. When we keep them all zipped up and the load gets heavier, it can start to affect us negatively. You start to feel misunderstood, sad, resentful. A safe place to unpack that is, you guessed it, Here's the deal, so whether you're staying at home or you're heading out on some summer explorations, KiwiCo is inviting kids, also kids at heart, that's you, to enjoy their first ever kiwico.com slash ologies summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. Oh, have fun oh, it's heating up, it's time to say bye now to your jackets and your sweaters and your tights and get reacquainted with shorts and tees, breezy things. Can I point you to the direction of Quince? What I love about Quince, you can build a lineup of timeless pieces. They keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year without spending a fortune. They have premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts, they start at $30. They have washable silk tops. And I love that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% lower less than similar brands because they partner directly with top factories. They cut out the cost of the middleman and then they pass the savings on to you. So whether you need a sundress you can wear to a picnic or you need some good t-shirts or tanks that feel nice on your skin and are well-made, head over to Quince. I love them so much I put them on my body. That's what clothes are for. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com ologies for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. <gasps> That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ologies to get free shipping in 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash ologies. Oh, hi, it's me, the lady that checks a bunch of scholarly articles before she believes anything. Allie Ward. And I feel like we are similar in that we have a fair amount of skepticism and we like to dive deep and find out what the actual facts are. This is why when it comes to any kind of supplements, I enjoy Ritual, which is a female-founded B Corp, meaning that they're holding themselves accountable to not just the company, but also to the health of people in our planet. And they're clinically backed essential for women at 18 plus multivitamin has these high quality traceable key ingredients in bioavailable forms that are clean. Only about 1% of supplement brands are USP verified and Ritual is one of them. So I like being able to trust what I'm putting in my body. From an aesthetic standpoint, I'll also tell you that Ritual are beautiful little vitamins. They look like lava lamps and they taste like mint. So taking my Ritual as part of my, I guess, morning ritual. That's probably why they named it that and I didn't even think about it. Anyway, no more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. So get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash ologies. You can start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash ologies for 25% off. Down the hatch. Okay your questions all right so i'll just rapid fire okay as quick as you can answer great although sometimes i know these are complicated questions okay okay greg wants to know how has climate change affected fish species and fish populations across the world um and how are plastic and other pollution affecting fish biology and health
1: number one fishes are moving like we will see things off the coast of california we never used to see because they came from warmer waters to the south. So, fishes that can move are moving in response to climate change. What is plastic? Very, very bad. The number one thing that I would say to people when they say to me, what can I do sort of for the planet and for the oceans is watch it with your plastic. Keep your plastic. Like, if you are using plastic, fine, but recycle it. Don't, you know, don't let it get into the ocean. Be careful what you let into the waterways.
0: I uh, went to Hawaii. I got to go for a job and i got nice. to see i know i i was mostly in hotels and in donut shops it was a, it's a weird <laughs> job but i um but i walked by the marina and it looked like a beautiful aquarium and yeah. then like a doritos bag just floated by and i was like this is a picture of dystopia what have we done
1: plastic is very bad and it bugs me it bugs me Like emotionally, like it upsets me. So yes, please, please, people, be careful with your plastic. Just
0: recycle it. Just It's not even that hard. Just recycle it. Just recycle it. That's all I ask. Once again, recycle it. If you're like, (laughs) everything is bad. What do I do? I feel you. I feel you. So I looked it up. According to Greenpeace, here are some other ways you can cut down on plastics. You can carry a reusable bottle. We use a bunch of bottles all the time. You can say no to plastic straws. Say no to disposable cutlery. You can avoid things with microbeads and carry a shopping bag. Look at that. Boom. You're already a better person. Better than you were 15 seconds ago. We did it. We saved the planet. Yay. I also asked Dr. Thacker in an email later something I forgot to address. It's regarding flesh-colored, rope-looking slime balls which feed on decaying matter, which I hear is spectacularly gross to witness. So, has she ever seen a hagfish eating at a whale? She said, I have never personally seen a hagfish eating a whale, but they do scavenge those carcasses down in the deep, and it's busy, mainly. They really go at it. Lots of hagfish flailing, she says. Right now, there's a bunch of hagfish having a whale picnic in the dark depths of the ocean. is that crazy? And you're just like making a sandwich, and there's just a hagfish being like, this is my life. Anyway. Okay. Brian Edge wants to know, have the populations of any species changed for the better since orgs like Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch have come around? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Ooh. And one of the beautiful things about
1: the ocean and working you know, with fish and thinking about fisheries and climate change and whatever, and you know, even horrible, scary things like coral bleaching, is that if we take action, the problem, it will help. The problem will get better. Fisheries are rebounding that, that have been protected. so it's definitely worth it.
0: Um, is there a hope for coral reefs? yes, okay, one hundred percent yes oh good yes it is
1: it is it is it is a failure of will. it is not a failure it's not that we don't know what to do. What we need to do is watch it with the carbon emissions um it's just that we i don't have the will to do it, but if we were to take care and you know cut that down we would we would see some uh, recovery in the coral reefs, I have no doubt you never hear about the ozone hole anymore remember that word yeah yeah CFCs. and that's because that's because CFCs got banned and it helped and boom problem solved
0: Oh good to know that's actually that gives me a lot of hope mm-hmm. um, Michael Sadambaga asks throwing some shade here why does some tilapia taste like mud Well uh, others don't. It depends on what it's eating and how it's farmed. Oh.
1: But yeah, he's right. And like some catfish you taste, tastes terrible. You want to you go eat an alligator, you want to get yourself a farmed alligator. Don't eat a wild alligator because they just eat garbage in like pig carcasses. Oh. It's yucky. Oh. I didn't know that. <laughs>
0: Same problem with tilapia. Do the farmed ones just eat like cereal and stuff? They do, yeah. Oh.
1: They're, they're like, you know, and they, they have like, you know, alligator spa days and they <laughs> eat good food. I'm sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't seem to find out what farmed alligators eat, but I did manage to find some southern swamp boat captain hopping out in a mussel tank top into the bog water and feeding alligators marshmallows out of his mouth. And now I know that hell exists. Uh, Jenna... mm, I say her name wrong every time I read it. I'm sorry, Jenna. Okay, Uh, this is a I once heard this when I was 12 thing, but can fish not feel pain or do they just have short memories? This is a common misconception.
1: And the answer is, of course, they feel pain. Of course, they feel pain. Fish, you have to feel pain. Otherwise, when a predator starts running at you, you wouldn't feel it and you just get eaten. So, yes, they do feel pain.
0: How are their memories?
1: Well, probably not that great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, let's just, you know what? Let's just not hurt fish. Right. Yeah. Don't make them feel pain. Don't make them feel pain. Why do
1: they need to feel pain? Um, What kind of brains do they have? They have brains like ours, but simpler. But Mm -hmm. the same basic, the same basic, you know, roadmap, the same basic nerves, same basic vertebrate
0: brain. So they can feel pain? hmm oh, I'm sorry, fish. Uh, Joe wants to know, there are some highly weird species in the deep ocean. Mm. Do you have a favorite? Um, one you like to bring up at parties, which I think I just asked you this. <laughs> sorry, Joe. No, that's okay. The deep sea fishes, the thing
1: about deep sea fishes that's hilarious is that most of them are small. Oh. Yeah. Really? There's a little, in fact, just yesterday I was looking at a a fossil, a beautiful fossil of something called a hatchet fish. There's one about the size of a silver dollar in our collection. It's got these beautiful little light organs and crazy teeth. Like, even a, you know, your average angler fish is not going to be any bigger than your fist. for the most part. And uh, your sort of toothy, dragonfish-looking thing, you know, those might be, I don't know, those might be the size of a hot dog, maybe six, seven inches long. Uh Not that big. Really not. A lot
0: of them smaller than that. Zoe Teplick wants to know, aquariums, good or bad? Do fish suffer the same impact of captivity as mammals? uh, And is the benefit of studying fish in captivity worth the harm it can cause the fish?
1: Well, you know, fish, it's true. Fish can get bored. It's not as bad as like a polar bear. um, A polar bear a studio apartment. <laughs> you feel sad, right, yeah. for the for the polar bear or something like a wolf or you know something that requires a big territory. It's not quite that bad, but they they don't like being in captivity. It's true. Um, and the, the the bad thing about keeping fish in captivity, as far as I'm concerned, is the pet trade. I used to keep fish and then I stopped because I found out about the terrible um, practices in the pet trade. What happens? Well, you just die. guys will go out and dynamite fish. They'll cyanide <gasps> fish. They'll just kill tons of fish. They get a few just to get a few, and then they'll. Be, get shipped across the ocean and they'll be sick and it's just awful it's horrible Ugh. i so know
0: you dynamite you kill a bunch and then whatever's alive you take yeah that seems like a terrible idea it is it's
1: a, it's the, it, but it's cheap and it's quick oh and the idea is that the percussion of the explosion you know can stun the fish and then the fish will float up and they just ca- they swoop them up That's it's terrible nice. yeah so and that doesn't i mean that doesn't happen everywhere all the time but it does happen especially for species that are in the pet trade
0: what about aquariums, like you know, sanctioned Monterey mm-hmm. Bay Aquarium? How do you feel about those? I, you know what, I like them, and the reason is that fishes are so
1: alien, and the undersea world is so bizarre. I want people to be able to see it. I want people to look at those rockfish,
0: look them in the eye,
1: you know, think <laughs> about the planet that they that we that we share in common.
0: Mm-hmm. So, it, for being ambassadors to the public, exactly then. But just like a fish tank in your dentist office? A
1: fish tank in your dentist office. I mean there's and it's kinda like fish that you eat. There's fish that are farmed that are bred for captivity for pets. Uh, you know, goldfishes, all those fancy goldfishes, things like that. There's plenty of saltwater fishes that are that are bred in captivity and that's fine. I mean keep again, keep a keep a fish, keep a pet. Look at it, appreciate it, understand it, learn about it. Just don't, you know, don't eat a wild caught tuna and don't don't care for a dynamite raised, dynamite hunted fish. Oh,
0: I never knew that was a thing. That's so mean. Yeah. Uh, Casey Hanmer wants to know why do fish have so many bones? All caps. Um, also, why are salmon so amazing?
1: Fish do you have a lot of bones.
0: I mean, I suppose that's just what works for them. It's not. It's
1: not. Again, it's not sort of a value. Judgment, one or the other. They ought to be flexible. They to be flexible. They move in a lot of different directions. They, they have, you know, a lot of muscle motion going on. Like I said, they live in 3D up, down, mm-hmm. side to side, back forward. Um, and why are salmon so awesome? Yeah. You know, salmon are very old. Oh. Salmon, salmoniforms, it's an old group. A lot of, a lot of cool things all around the world. And again, it's kind of amazing that something can go back and forth between fresh and salt water.
0: He wants to know also why do some fish have two co dominant mating strategies the alpha and the sneak?
1: That is a complicated question. Okay, What he's talking about is, a male and a female fish will mate and have babies. And the male oftentimes has to expend energy to do that. He's got to show off. Maybe he makes a little territory, makes a little nest, does a little fancy dance. And the lady says, oh, that's beautiful, and then lays (laughs) her eggs. Uh, If you are a sneaker male, you can get away with circumventing that and what a sneaker male does is just jumps in sprays the semen fertilizes the eggs and whips out of there what a fuck boy right okay this is the fuck boy of the animal (laughs) kingdom no effort just like you up you know it's 2 a.m bam in and out and it's it's a strategy usually used by smaller males that can't sort of do a territory or do the behavior. They don't want to spend the energy, but they'll sneak in and have a mate. They'll sneak in and have a mating. It's no good. No good.
0: No good. Yeah, Happens in a lot of species. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mike Melshuar wants to know, do fish sleep? They do. They do? They do.
1: Yeah, you sometimes parrotfish will kind of, you'll see them on the bottom at night. They like wrap themselves in this... Bubble of no. mucus, oh, <laughs> just tucking in. It's nice and cozy and just lovely. And yeah, they'll they'll you know they doze off. Oh, I wonder if they dream. I they must, they right? Must some big uh, you know big pelagic fishes? They'll just you know obviously they don't go down to the bottom to sleep, but they'll just, you know, they'll doze off a little bit at a time. They'll sleep oh. in little bursts. Yeah.
0: I bet they have so many shark nightmares. Oh
1: man, I wonder, right? You know? I
0: wonder what that must be like. I know. Do you ever have to talk people down from shark phobias? Sometimes, yeah. yeah. But most
1: people are pretty reasonable about it.
0: Yeah. I feel like the statistics are like so slim.
1: Every Yeah, exactly. And at this point, everyone knows that, you know, you're more likely, you know, to to fall off a curb and break your neck than get, yeah. beaten, get eaten by
0: a shark. Right. Um, stay out of the water, I suppose, but hmm. nah. 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 Um, Elspeth Hay wants to know, what kinds of fish are the most ethical Oh, to keep as pets? Um, I love my betta fish, but whenever I'm in a pet store and see all the betas in their tiny cups, I feel sad. I want to take them all home. Should I contribute to that market or should I get a different kind of fish next time? Are betta raised
1: in captivity? Excellent question. And thank you for being so you know so responsible. Um, Yeah, betta fish are raised in captivity. Go ahead and have as many as you like. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, She also said, why are octopi so freaking scary and do you think they'll take Over the world, that's a question for a toothologist, right? Get
1: this. Okay. Okay, that is a very good question. Here is the reason that we are not living in servitude to our cephalopod overlords. Even the biggest giant squid only lives for five years.
0: What?
1: Yes. I just found this out. Squids, octopuses, they have very, very short lifespans. They got to go, they got to grow up, they got to mate, they got to get it done because they're not hanging around. And the minute I heard that, I thought, holy (gasps) shit, if one of those things ever figures out and lives to be 100, we're effed.
0: We're out of here.
1: It's over for us.
0: I feel like they'd be better at computer programming than us. Oh, they, it's, it wouldn't even be computer programming; It would be like telepathic control of everything. Yeah. Do you think they're
1: aliens? <sighs> I feel like I'm not qualified to make that assessment. Okay. It could, I...
0: it could be, it could be. Okay. Craig wants to know how has. Uh... Oh, he wants to know how has farmed salmon, tilapia, and catfish affected their species. But I feel like we kind of addressed that, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: uh, yeah. Farm, farm fish are are fine. The species is fine. It's good. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um. Craig Minami wants to know, has the discovery that Southern California is a nursery for great white sharks increased your research into their habits? Not me personally, but plenty of people, yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. This is a great place to be if you want to work on sharks.
0: Like I said, we're getting uh,
1: fish up in Southern California that used to be found much farther to the south, including hammerhead sharks. Ooh. Um, we the, the sharks will follow the seals. I mean, the big fishes follow the, the little fishes. They follow the prey items. Okay. So a uh, if the seals move around, the sharks will go after them. The white sharks. Works. Dang.
0: Um, John Worster wants to know, when a fisherman catches a fish, the hook usually goes in the lip of the fish. Do the fish feel pain when that happens? That's a yes. Yeah. Um, he says I don't go fish anymore, so the answer will not affect me at all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you for again. Thank you for these uh, these comments. I love because they're responsible. You know, these are these people are trying to do the right thing. They're caring, and and I, I encourage this.
0: I do feel like fish are people are sensitive to fish because people know that they are getting boned with climate change. Mm-hmm. You know, people are yeah, like, oh, yeah. Well, good. Yeah. I mean, that's great. That I encourage that. Well done, people. Um, Jessica Chamberlain has a personal question. She asked fish ever bite people, specifically bass or other lake-dwelling fish. I'm trying to settle and bet. I'm positive a fish bit me while we were swimming in Whitewater Lake in Wisconsin last summer, but my husband disagrees.
1: It's definitely possible that a fish oh. bit you. Oh, so <laughs> It's it. definitely possible.
0: <laughs> oh, Jessica's husband, you have been proven wrong. They,
1: they, they'd have to be uh, you know, a little confused, but maybe the water's muddy, fish bumps into you, bites you. Yeah, it could happen. I mean, they don't usually, obviously, attack things bigger than themselves. They usually eat little insects, but yeah, it's possible a fish could bite you, sure. A fish, mm-hmm. you know, see a little, see your finger or something, mm-hmm. take a little bite. little well, nibble.
0: No little nibble. No, nibble. Little no, no nibble. big deal. No big deal. No, thing, no yeah. thing. Yeah. She got a fish kiss. That's exactly. You shouldn't be sad about it. Be happy. Uh, Krista Trexler asked, do seahorses actually mate for life and why do the males carry the babies? I'm basically wondering why are seahorses so cool?
1: Oh my gosh. There's so many reasons. What a great group of fish those are. Um, they do not mate for life. They'll mate with many different females throughout their life. Um, why does the male carry the babies? You know, I'm actually not sure. They do, they've do. they got a pouch. They do carry them around. You, usually something like that can be explained by the idea that the female can make more young because of it somehow, you know. So maybe she has many clutches going at a time. I'm sorry. That, I'm sorry. That one you'll have to Google.
0: That's a great one. Yeah, that's, a, mean, good that's a good question. Uh, it's a good question. I love that she's maybe outsourcing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Side note, I have long thought that fashionable, stay-at-home dads wearing like, baby Bjorns, walking kiddos down the block to the cold-pressed juicery while their mom is out kicking ass should be called, colloquially, seahorses. What do you think? Like, Melanie's husband is a total seahorse. He's the best. Well, yeah, I, I quit my job at the tech firm, and I'm just seahorsing for now. Well, uh, Julie's at the oncology practice. Like, can we start that, please? Um, Billy Marino asked, do fish develop emotional attachments to other fish, such as those they're related to or even those that they are in a a school with? Um, If so, how do those emotions manifest for us to study? Like, do the goby and the shrimp, like, do they... I feel like they would have to. Right? But I think there's no evidence of that. In
1: fact, even fish is like... Fish will protect their young if they know they're their young, but some fishes actually the young have to exhibit a different coloration pattern or show a different behavior just so that the adult doesn't think they're an enemy or a prey oh, item. Wow. So yeah, you know, I I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, you fish do you pair bond. They'll pair bond for sure. Like two enemy fishes and an enemy, those guys will pair bond. They must feel something.
0: Yeah, they, they must. can't just be dead
1: inside. Exactly. There must be something. Yeah. I mean,
0: they're cold-blooded, but they're not cold-hearted. That's that's it exactly, Allie. Perfectly put. <laughs> I feel like if you pair bond, you can feel love. You must be that's able what to love otherwise is. why would you? Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Well, we've settled that that's for That's it. Science. That's
1: solidly scientifically settled.
0: <laughs> I'm a doctor now. <laughs> <laughs> um alicia uh our Shevel asks what's your favorite scary or weird fish she loves personally the wolf eel just for the visual wolf eels are kind of this like granite colored gray long eel normal but when it comes to the face they have this angry countenance of stadler and waldorf those two muppets who sit in the balcony and judge everyone they're great. Please look them up and then tattoo one on your back.
1: Okay. First of all, great choice. Okay. <laughs> My scariest fish is related to childhood imaginary trauma. I am terrified of stonefish. Stonefish what? are tropical. They live in the sand. They're camouflaged. They have Big spines, and they're deadly venomous. What? Yes, and I, for some reason, was terrified of stepping on a stonefish, which is kind of like being terrified of being eaten by a great white shark. They'll never...
0: It's not going to happen. When am I ever going to get? Probably never. So,
1: Have
0: you gotten over it? Not really. Oh, no. (laughs) When you... Where... What are their habitats?
1: Uh, The Indo-Pacific reefs, mostly. Okay. Yeah, so I just be real careful when I'm walking around.
0: Do you wear, like, little... Footsie, footsie booties. Yeah, I wear little
1: footsie booties if I'm walking, but usually I'm swimming, so I'm wearing fins. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, they probably can't stab you through a fin. No. Oh, fine. No. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's the thing. It's a, that's an it's an irrational fear.
0: Stone fishes, stone cold fishes. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's it. Erin Kelly. Last questions. It says, I have a billion questions because I'm training at an aquarium. Oh, well, hey, great. Hey, Thank you. Yes. Um, but she needs to know, needs to know about lumpfish. Uh, why are they that color? I had never seen one until recently. She's fascinated. She said specifically the teal color. And why are they jelly-like? And why do they make good caviar? What is a lumpfish? Oh, she's talking about, okay. All right. So Erin's talking about a fish called Cyclopterus lumpus, which, come on, that name? The name wins. They're also called lump suckers, which is another A plus insult in a pinch when you can't swear. So they must have healthy self-esteems to deal with the name. But can you imagine if our species was called like a lump ape? How savage is that? Lump fish are like whatever. Anyway, they are lumpy and they suck things and the caviar is expensive and not much is known about them. So I hereby implore Aaron Kelly, if you're listening, please become an ichthyologist and study them. No pressure
1: she's talking about a deep sea fish I don't know that much about though so so okay. yeah I was there's a lumpfish that lives off the coast here that's really cute and bright orange um, which in this you know in our kelp forest that's kind of a camouflage color but yeah this one lumpfish caviar I'm not sure
0: Ooh, I gotta look it up yeah look it up but if you, do you have any advice for someone who is who is trying to be an ichthyologist in the <gasps> lord has spell it yeah, learn how to spell it, number one. Um,
1: yeah, learn take a lot of biology classes, you know, go take take as much organism biology as you can and get
0: out in the ocean as much as you can and swim and dive, learn to dive. If you want to be a professional marine biologist, learn how to dive. Get oh. good at it. Yeah. I have never been diving, but I have someone who's a listener who offered to take me diving. It's amazing. Okay. Should I go? Yeah, you should totally okay. go. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: It's amazing. Ooh. But if you need there's if you need to work, you know, doing it for work, you gotta really like you got to study up. You got to mean it. Yeah, yeah, you got to study up. But just but but it's wonderful. Definitely go diving.
0: Um what do you hate about your job? What are you like this part sucks. <laughs> like what sucks? And I have an
1: easy easiest answer. <laughs> okay. Malaria.
0: <laughs>
1: In a word. <laughs> Malaria. malaria. I got malaria in the field one time. It sucked. And in fact, I didn't, I had the kind of, I cut it's tropical malaria, and it was the kind of malaria where it can go, you get infected, it can go in your liver and hide. And so I didn't actually know I had malaria until like 10 months later. What? I'm like in my house reading a book, and all of a sudden I was like spiking a 104 degree fever and like shaking like I was having a seizure. Horrible. No idea what was going on. My husband spotted it right away, and he
0: did. Is he a scientist? Yeah, here? he's a,
1: he travels. He's a marine biologist, also. He studies snails, so he travels with me. He was in the field with me. Oh yeah, my he's, god! He, we do all our field work together. And I went to the doctor and I tried to explain to them that I have malaria, but you were later in Los Angeles. They thought it was right. crazy. What did they think it was? They thought I was nuts. They thought I had the flu. They thought I had maybe I had uh, meningitis. Oi! And then you can to. T- Diagnose malaria, they have to take a blood sample while the parasite's active, while you're having the fever, while you're having the shaking. And that happened at night. I had to go to the emergency room. They didn't believe me. They were like, you're insane. I said, please, please, please just take a blood sample. Finally got them to take the blood sample. And then I just bounced because I was pissed. (laughs) And the next day, early in the morning... Phone rings, it's
0: county health. (gasps) (laughs) So do they have to put you in a registry Mm -hmm. and stuff?
1: They wanted to know what the what. They wanted to know what I was doing turning up in Los Angeles with malaria. I said I was in New Guinea, but it was 10 months ago, 11 months ago. But,
0: oh, did you get just the shit bitten out of you when you were there?
1: Yeah, it's horrible. I mean, there's so much malaria in New Guinea, and we had taken—I was taking anti-malarials, but I wasn't taking strong enough ones. There are some really strong ones that also tend to cause psychosis. Whoops! And yeah, you can't be being psychotic when you're diving. You'll, you'll get killed. You'll get—you'll oh. get killed, or you'll kill someone else.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> oh, that's not a good pair. <laughs> oh, so how long? So I, so
1: I took—I took a chance, rolled the dice, lost, oh. ended up with malaria. There no. it is. Worst thing about my job: malaria.
0: Did you how long are you out with malaria?
1: Um it, once you take the meds it goes away right away. Okay. Yeah. So it's easy to treat. You don't
0: get to like binge on a season of anything. Oh my god, no. God, all oh, for the love of fish. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> what do you love about your job? What's the best, 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 best? The best,
1: best, best, best part, and there are so many. It is a great job. It's just figuring these things out. I love learning about the fish. I love figuring out their evolution. I love figuring out how the evolution of fishes corresponds to the evolution of the planet and through geologic time. I love the work I do, um, popularizing science. I love, you know, doing the Curiosity Show on our on our YouTube channel. I love posting all the behind the scenes stuff on Instagram. I love the people I work with. It's a blast.
0: Where are you off to next?
1: Well next I'm going to actually I'm going to London, which is just for collections work. And then in the fall I'll be going back to Australia to work on some of the Australian stream fishes that are there. Oh
0: my God. Do you how long are you in Australia when you're when you're working there? Usually like a month or two. Do you come back with an accent? No, no. Just curious. <laughs> no, let's see. What did I come back with? I came back with
1: an appreciation for freons and meat pies, and totally blasé about kangaroos.
0: <laughs> Blase about them.
1: Whatever. They're so just myth everywhere. everywhere.
0: Yeah. What's freon?
1: A freon is a kind of muffin. It's a little baked muffin. It's made out of almonds. It's really good.
0: Why don't we have them here? I, 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 Get search on. Search me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Cookie show people, pick this up. Freons. They're so good. You guys. You guys, come on. Why aren't we all eating Friance? They're derived from French financier cookies and they're almond meal and egg whites, but they're also kind of like a muffin and they come in raspberry and lemon. And oftentimes they're gluten-free in case you live on the West Coast where gluten's illegal. And bonus, I highly suggest you look up recipes on YouTube because everyone making them has Australian accents and they say things like, this recipe's super easy to make, so give it a go. And if you haven't tried making freons before, we should give it a go because it's so simple to do. All right. That's my new mission. If I find myself in a donut shop somewhere I'll working, yeah. I'll ask for a freon, <laughs> which happens. Um, and how can people find you?
1: You can. Well, I'm on our website, NHM.org. We, I do a little behind-the-scenes show called The Curiosity Show, which is at NHM.org slash Curiosity Show. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter as Thackfish. T-H-A-C-K fish, thack fish. Um, and yeah, come, and come visit the museum. You know, come look at our exhibits. Come look around. Take a behind the scenes tour. Maybe I'll show you our collection.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Seriously, if anyone has like a, a, a love of fish, I took a tour at the NHM. And ended up volunteering here and <laughs> like I can't tell you it was a life changer. So if you if there's a museum nearby, sign up to volunteer. It's it's one of the best things I've ever done. Oh, literally. that's wonderful. Yes, yeah.
1: I agree completely. Absolutely. Come on down.
0: Totally changed my life. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, you're so welcome. My well, pleasure. My pleasure. A joy. Yay, yay Gobies. Ugh, how obsessed with her are you, right? I'm like fully. So follow her on the platforms. Uh, Catch the Curiosity Show on YouTube. And to follow Ologies, we're at Ologies on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Allie Ward, 1L, on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, You can join the Ologies Facebook group where we all talk about the episode. We share weird links and gross pictures. It's a wonderful group of folks. No one in there is a clot wad, which I love. Um, To support Ologies, you can head to OlogiesMerch.com. Get yourself an item or two. Or you can make a donation if you want at Patreon.com slash Ologies. Also, honestly, just tweeting, Instagramming, telling friends about the show helps it grow so much. It's crazy to me to see the numbers go up every month. Do spread the word. Thank you, as always, to Stephen Ray Morris for editing, Aaron Talbert and Hannah Lippo for running the Ologies Facebook group, Shannon Feltes and Bonnie Dutch for running OlogiesMerch.com. Uh Nick Thorburn wrote and performed the Ologies theme song. He's in a band called Islands. It's a very good band. Uh... You stuck it out through the credits. Thank you. Congratulations. So here's my secret of the week. Um, Right now I have a blanket over my head because this room is really echoey. So I've been recording this entire thing with just a full blanket over my head and I can hear the people in the room next to me and I think one of them has the flu because she's been coughing a lot and she stopped coughing and I don't know if she just straight up died Um, and I also don't know if they can hear me. But um, I'm really nervous that they can. I'm also not wearing pants because I just forgot to pack pajamas. So it was like, I, I'm just, no pants. So what? Um, also, I turn the heat up in hotels to like 80 degrees. I don't really know why I do it. It's just, it's so cozy. But I am sweating. Okay. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, go out, ask smart people, all the dumb questions you want. They love it. And do join us next week where I will maybe be wearing pants. I'm not going to make any guarantees. Bye-bye.